Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Time to once again bring clarity to the chaos. Today, Messianic Rabbi Eric Walker examines Genesis 3.15 and how that prophecy connects to every other prophecy in the Bible. Whether on the radio, online, or on our podcast, thank you for connecting with us. We're so glad that you're here. If you're new to the broadcast, be sure to pick up the new listener pack. In the pack is a welcome letter with history about the ministry, the latest issue of the Prophetic Observer, and a free gift. Call 1-800-652-1144 and get your free new listener pack today. 1-800-652-1144 or visit our website, swrc.com. As we approach the new year, an outstanding resource for you and your family and friends is our brand new calendar. This 16-month calendar features all major biblical Jewish and Israeli holidays, plus U.S. holidays. All dates are in both Jewish and Gregorian systems. Each day contains scripture references to help you read through the Bible in a year. And you will be blessed by the gorgeous photos and artwork. Each month spotlights an event in Jewish history and prophecy. And I'm excited to let you know that part of the proceeds from each calendar go to the Onesimus Prison Ministry. When you order a calendar, a calendar is also sent to a prisoner. Order the 16-month Jewish Roots of Christianity calendar today. 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. And remember, for every calendar you order, a calendar will be given to a prisoner free of charge. It's a great way to encourage others and share hope with those in prison. Order the brand new 16-month calendar today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. We have special pricing available on bulk orders with free shipping on all orders over $100. 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.com. Now, let's join Messianic Rabbi Eric Walker as he examines Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 and looks at how that prophecy connects to every other prophecy in the Bible. Is it possible to write a book all about one verse in the Bible? Well, if you are Rabbi Eric E. Walker, and the verse is Genesis 3.15, not only is it possible, but it already has been done. I hold in my hand a very large volume titled 3.15, the genesis of all prophecy. Let me read that verse, and then we will visit with Rabbi Eric Walker. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. I think after you hear Rabbi Walker speak on this verse, you will agree Genesis 3.15 is indeed the genesis of all prophecy. Rabbi Walker, so nice to have you on the phone. 
honor and a privilege to join you and the Southwest Radio Church audience. It's been one of my desires to meet you after all these years and connect with you and the wonderful audience you have. And I appreciate so much you covering this book. Well, you have, I think, a tremendous book, a tremendous study of Genesis 3.15. As you say in your book, you wanted to know, who is this mysterious seed? What human woman could bring forth that seed? So, Rabbi Walker, what did you discover? This was something that bothered me as a child. I couldn't understand why so many people hated the Jews. I just couldn't understand it. And at age 45, when I came to faith in Jesus in a Messianic synagogue, I had had 45 years' experience in the world seeing anti-Semitism play out. I saw it in the corporate world. I grew up in a Jewish community. My grandparents came to this country to avoid the settles and the pogroms of Eastern Europe. I was entrenched in this Jewish bubble and saw, and especially growing up in a Catholic city like Pittsburgh. Mm. As I came to faith, it became even more pressing because I became more biblically word-focused. Judaism is beautiful and rich, and we have the Torah, but we tended to, over the 45 years of my life in the 50s through almost the turn of the century, it was more what does the rabbis have to say about what God was thinking as mm-hmm. opposed to what God has to say what God was thinking. And I began a real pursuit. I wanted to know God, and that's where I found him in a Messianic synagogue. And from that point on, I began to dig deep. And this 315 concept. Why was this the first prophecy? Why was this something that was eternal? This was so profound, and it was going to be something that when I finished reading the Tanakh, the Old Testament, it had never been fulfilled. This disturbed me. Why would God put a prophecy out there where, in other cases, he fulfilled it, but this one was kind of like a dangling prophecy? And then I read the New Testament, and I still didn't see how this specifically fit together and was being fulfilled. And so it took me years of research, as it compiled in this book, with over 270 different resources referenced in this research, to put together the compelling case that this profound prophecy, the first prophecy, established the seed line of Messiah. It set in motion that Satan had been told, here is going to bring about your demise, and here is how he's going to do it. I'm just not going to tell you when. And as we look throughout history and the prophetic nature of what happened to Israel, what happened to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, our descendants throughout history, you'll begin to see every attempt was made by Satan to enlisted people all throughout the Bible, all throughout the New Testament, until the ultimate encounter takes place where this prophecy is ultimately fulfilled because God is not one who does not say what he does not mean. Sometimes it just takes the entirety of our life and maybe even past our lifetime Mm. to see this fulfilled. Well, Satan is told, as you point out, who will bring about his final demise and how God will do it. So if Satan can find a way to eliminate his executioner in that way, his dominion on earth would be secure forever. And if he could stop the seed of the woman from coming into the world, his victory would be assured. Now, I love the way you tie all of that in with Genesis 6 and the Nephilim. Tell us a little bit about that, because that's a controversial passage. I don't think it should be, and your insight into it is, I think, quite well put. 
Oh, I thank you for that, because Genesis 6 is one where we get incredible clarity. The clarity is when God created, he created celestial beings, the angels, and he created man. The creation, his creation, was created with a contrary nature. He gave the angels a choice. He created man with a choice. And as we read, and we don't, we're not told when this fall occurred, when this division occurred, but there were those that chose to follow the promises of this great politician, this one who in Isaiah promises, if you elect me, I will. We hear this on the campaign stump all the time. It just sounds like Satan's passage from Isaiah. If you elect me, I will arise to the throne of Washington. If you elect me, I'll put a chicken in every pot. And those are the promises, and they're believable. When you're in desperate situations and desperate times, you want to grab a hold of anything, and Satan knew the right thing to say and the right promises. Well, he promised that to the angels who wound up following him. So they fell to earth with him, took on human form, and then the remaining angels were confirmed in the holiness. This is such a beautiful picture of us in our glorified bodies, that once we are in our glorified bodies, we are confirmed in our holiness. We can no longer sin. That sin nature, that contrary nature is dead and gone. But while we are in the flesh, we struggle. Paul even says, I do what I ought not to do and what I should do, I don't. It's something that God understands. But we see it in this Genesis 6 passage where we see this amazing fall, but we also see God telling us this message that blessed his memory. Chuck Misler first introduced it to me. Maybe others saw it before that. I don't know. But when you take the ten names of Adam to Noah and you translate them into their Hebrew counterpart, there is a divine message in there. Yes. And people can argue all the time, well, maybe loosely translated, you know what, it's so close, I'm okay with it. And it says, as you translate those ten names, man is appointed mortal sorrow, but the blessed God shall come down, teaching that his death will bring those in despair, hope, or rest. Right. Pastor, is that not the gospel message right there in Genesis? Yes, and you point out you have a composite list of the Hebrew and English translation, Adam, Seth, Enosh, Kenan, Mahalalel, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, and Noah, and you put all of that together. As you said, man is appointed mortal sorrow, but the blessed God shall come down teaching that his death would bring those in despair rest. And of course, you mentioned Chuck Missler. He was greatly beloved, a great Bible scholar, but there's the message. And so in your book, you find so much in the opening chapters of Genesis. I think so often we read those chapters, we think they are mythological, we don't see them as historical. I believe that they are historical. If somebody had been there with their cameras, their movie cameras, their Nikons, whatever, they would see all of this because this actually happened. Pastor Larry, what's so interesting is we call Genesis the book of creation. It's not. There's only 14 verses in Genesis that talk about creation. That's right. Mm -hmm. Genesis is the book of separation. It shows us the separation of light from darkness, heaven from earth, water from the sea, all these things God separated. 
He separated man from woman, and ultimately man separated himself from God. And then we get this wonderful Bible, all the rest of the Bible, which lays out the path of return. We have to learn this lesson that there is a separation that came. But yet, God opened the door for us that we may come back. And it takes us much longer. One step over that line, sweet Jesus. One step over that line. But we step over that long line, and it may take us a lifetime to get back. And God provides that path for us. The trials, the tribulations, but through that, he's always been protecting the seed line. Why has Israel never been annihilated? Why has the seed line never been cut off? Because even when it came down to one, Joseph, and the 70, even when it came down to one, Esther, all of Israel, in the hands of one person, Noah, Moses, petitioning God to appeal to God's true nature, to relent, to let the Jewish people live, all the way through Herod's attempt to kill them. Hitler's attempt to kill us. All throughout that, when you see that, you see God supernaturally intervening because this is the plan. And Jesus speaks so eloquently about it. Paul speaks so eloquently about it. And my deepest concern, Pastor Larry, is that those who are sitting in the pews in our churches who are calling themselves Christians are only embracing, I want to say, the observation deck of the Empire State Building. They're missing the rich foundation. They're missing the foundational floors. They're missing the foyer. They're missing all the things that are happening right there at the base that allow that amazing edifice to be built. And yes, you can appreciate, and it's wonderful that we have this magnificent gift of Jesus. But once we accept Messiah, that event is done. What happens to the rest of our life, and how should we live it? And that is the path that God lays out for us and the Jews play a significant part, as a matter of fact, pivotal to the return of Messiah. And the things that Jesus said, the things that are written in the New Testament that are ignored by so much of the church, points back to the fact that what you didn't do to the Jewish people, you didn't do to Jesus. And it's going to be Jerusalem, or the leadership of Jerusalem, to call for the return of Messiah. And the question becomes, what are we going to do to shore up our understanding and return back? I'm not saying turn Christianity into Judaism. I'm saying let's go to the full counsel of God's Word. Amen. See what His message is for today. And let's embrace the fullness of it so we're not built on a shaking foundation that we too can all stand together, grafted in one Messiah, and understand God's call on Israel, the Jewish people, and where the church needs to take a stand in support of a biblical mandate by God. Well, as you point out, Rabbi Eric, Genesis is a book of separation. So tell us about the separation between the bride and the groom. And you make some observations I've never really followed through, but it's amazing. You talk about the building of churches with a center aisle, this whole idea of separation, which you've pointed out, light from darkness, the waters from above, and the waters from below, the separation of the greater light from the lesser light. But tell us about the separation between the bride and groom and the center aisle. This is one of the most joyful messages I get to bring to people who have been to church, who have been to weddings, 
and especially when I do premarital counseling with both the families and the bride and groom. We have this wonderful, beautiful service that we have today, and we actually have built churches. There was a time when church architects wouldn't even consider building a church without a center aisle. And I would ask people, why do you do that? And they said, well, that's to accommodate the wedding. Well, why do you do it that way? Well, that's just how we've always done it. Mm-hmm. And it always reminds me of the stories of the person that was cutting the pot roast, and they always prepared the pot roast by cutting off the ends. And finally, somebody says, why do you do that? And I said, that's because that's how my mother did it. <laughs> right. And they say, well, let's ask your mother. Why did she do that? Well, she says, well, that's because her mother did it. And they finally get to the great-grandmother, and the great-grandmother says, well, the only reason we did that was because we didn't have a pot big enough to pull it through a full roast in, so we just cut off the ends. And so the family becomes traditionally, they just cut off the ends. Well, we have this position here in 2022 where we do, we have people who are looking for a place or a church with a center aisle because they want to have a traditional wedding ceremony. And so when you ask yourself, what does that mean? Well, we have to hearken back to the Bible. So God tells Abraham to take the animals and to cut the animals in two and to divide the birds, and God will pass through them to confirm his covenant with Abraham. Remember that story? Yes, absolutely. So here's this amazing picture, because it doesn't end then. So Abraham actually doesn't do exactly what God tells him. He doesn't cut the birds in two, he separates the birds. And interestingly enough, there are two consequences to them for that. One is, is that he's spending time fighting the vultures off, and two, he has a very, very, very disturbed sleep where he's attacked by Satan in his sleep. And kind of the message there is that 99% obedience is 100% disobedience mm. in God's economy. Right. But God was making a point. He says, I'm going to confirm my covenant with you. So God is going to pass through this divide first before he makes any request whatsoever of Abraham. So, he does that, and he confirms his covenant with Abraham. And now he asks Abraham to confirm his covenant with God. And he does that by asking him to remove the foreskin and to make a cut. In Hebrew, that's a brit. Brit is a cut. So we have the ceremony of Brit Malah. We have on the eighth day when a young boy can produce the vitamin K, which is the clotting factor. And we know that Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day, so we know that this very traditional Jewish thing that's been done since the time of Abraham. Well, it's just a little bit more complicated than that, because Abraham had to confirm his covenant, and he took and he confirmed that covenant by circumcising himself and his 13-year-old son, Ishmael. Years later, he conceives a son named Isaac, and then we come to Genesis 22, and we hear these words spoken. Abraham, Abraham. Abraham answers, here I am. And God says to him, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. And you have to pause for a minute because you have to say, wait a second, you have a son, Ishmael. Well, we go back to the covenant of the circumcision and we have to look at what passed through. Well, first God passed through the divide of the animals to confirm his covenant with Abraham. Now he wants Abraham to have something passed through a divide to confirm his covenant with God. That was the seed of Isaac that passed through the circumcision, passed through the cut. And therefore, Isaac was the first child conceived by having his seed passed through the cut. 
mm-hmm. of the circumcision. Mm-hmm. We now have the full picture of how it takes both parties to pass through the cup and both parties to confirm the covenant. Now we have the covenant of marriage. We set this system up where the groom comes down the aisle first and it has its families are separated. One, the groom's family is on one side, the bride's family is on the other side, and he passes through the divided family. And he's basically saying, this is the last time you're going to see me. He passes through the cup. He then waits to receive his bride. The parents of the bride bring her down through the divided family, and once again, she is passing through and she is saying, this is the last time you're going to see me. Now, because of what took place between Laban and Rachel and marriage ceremony with the veil, the bride is presented and the veil is lifted so that the goods are inspected before the marriage is consummated. That's biblical as well. And so the bride is received by the groom. The parents go sit down, and now you have the bride and the groom. The bride and the groom, you have the pronouncement, and once they are pronounced, they are no longer pronounced by their old name. They are Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so. I'd like to present to you Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so. Right. Everybody stands, stands up, and the bride and the groom will arm lock together, pass between the divided families, confirming the covenant with each other. They're basically saying, we no longer belong to the family to the right, we no longer belong to the family to the left, we are passing through you to confirm our covenant with each other. Isn't that a magnificent, biblical, beautiful ceremony created by God for the confirmation of a covenant? In Numbers chapter 6 and verse 22, the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how I want you to bless the children of Israel. Now he goes on to say, in this way I will put my name on them, and I will bless them. Well, all of you who are believers in Jesus the Messiah are engrafted into the commonwealth of Israel, grafted in according to Ephesians 2, from the two you shall make one, one new man, and therefore you are now a part of this blessing of the children of Israel. It says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance toward you and give you his peace. In the name of the Prince of Peace, Jesus our Messiah. Amen and Amen. Shalom. Amen. Well, Rabbi Walker, thank you so much for this show. Thank you for the work you do. Raised in a Jewish home with a deep hunger for understanding, Messianic Rabbi Eric Walker searched for the answer as to why Genesis 3.15 was never addressed in the Hebrew Bible. It became a lifelong passion in his search until he came to the Lord at age 45. His advanced studies led him to be ordained at age 55 when he founded what would become the world's fastest-growing Messianic congregation. In his studies, his search for the real truth was connected to every major prophetic event in Scripture. Now his findings are in the book 315, The Genesis of All Prophecies. The Genesis of All Prophecy exposes anti-Semitism as Satan's agenda in a way most of us have never heard. The book is prophetic, insightful, convicting, and heartrending. Order your copy of Genesis of All Prophecy today by simply calling 
1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order the book online, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Before we go, let's check in with Larry Stamm for today's Messianic Minute. Shalom, friends. Larry Stamm here with the Messianic Minute, Biblical Connections Through a Jewish Lens. In the Old Testament, the kinsman redeemer had the privilege or responsibility to act on behalf of a relative who was in danger or had need, rescuing or redeeming property or people. Boaz is the classic example when he redeemed the poor widow Ruth. God in the Old Testament is revealed as both father and deliverer, rescuer of the weak and needy. In the New Testament, Christ is often regarded as as an example of a kinsman redeemer, for we are helpless, poor, and needy due to sin. Jesus has redeemed us, rescuing us from the power of sin and death through his shed blood. He is the true kinsman redeemer of all who call on him in faith. Praise God for our kinsman redeemer. For more connections, visit our website at larrystam.org or see our Larry Stam Ministries Facebook page. Friends, would you please take a few moments today and check out the resources over at our website, swrc.com. Books and DVDs available for you, your family, church, or as a gift. Remember that when you purchase one of our resources, you are supporting the ministry and outreach of Watchmen on the Wall. So please visit swrc.com. That's swrc.com. We still have some time left, so let's check in with tomorrow's guest, Dr. Carl Baugh, as he shares a Creation Minute. Let's talk for a minute. Our modern engineers are able to improve upon certain things that were invented during the Middle Ages. The trebuchet, which was able to send projectiles at a much faster rate than their previous catapults have been able to do. But an absolutely amazing engineer designed something better than that. The bunchberry dogwood plant grows and projects the pollen. It grows and the pollen is projected from April to May of each spring in the forest of North America. And this astounding plant projects the pollen so fast it is 2,400 times the force of gravity. Engineers had to invent cameras to record it at 10,000 frames per second in order to retrieve the information. That designer is God himself. He is amazing. Order your copy of Genesis of All Prophecy today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order online, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. The battle lines have been drawn. Mankind's greatest battle, creation versus evolution, is before us. Tomorrow, Dr. Carl Baugh will scientifically prove that special creation is the only scientific explanation for man's existence on this planet. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station. 
by downloading our SWRC mobile app, or by subscribing to our daily Watchmen on the Wall podcast. Watchmen on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners just like you. Please visit our website, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Thank you.